Well, hello, church. It is great to be back with you. My name's Ethan Magnus. I'm one of the pastors here. I was gone last week, but glad to be back this week as we wrap up our series, Masterclass. That means that next week we kick off a brand new series. It's called Love Does, and I hope you've already heard a little bit about it. It's going to be a big series for us as a church, not just happening on the weekends and in our worship services, but also in groups and kids ministry and students ministry, and hopefully it'll be happening in your life too. The challenge to this is clear. We need to respond to the disconnection that, ha that COVID has caused in our community by reconnecting with one another. So we're hoping that every single person join in a Love Does group, read along with the book, do the Love Does challenges so that we as a church can bring some active love into our lives and the life of our whole community. The kickoff for that is next week. Groups start the week after that, so now is the time to jump on board and either join a group or start a group. I hope that everybody gets engaged with Love Does. But this week, we finish up our series, Masterclass. The principle of this series has been so simple. We've been responding to Jesus' invitation. He says, listen, I know your life is burdened, and I know your life is hard, so come to me. If you're weary and weighed down, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So that's what we've tried to do in this series, to learn from Jesus. We've learned how to pray and how to vote. We've even learned how to mourn. And today, we learn how to worship. Now, the question of how to worship was a common conversation among God's people. The kings and priests asked, how do we worship? Not how do we sing or what should the service be like, but how do we honor God? Uh, David, in, a, in Psalm 51, talks about his own sin and his confession of sin, and he recognizes that his sin forms a barrier to his worship. He goes to God and he says, God, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise you do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion and build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole, the bowls you will be offered on your altar." Priests and kings wondered, how do we worship? David says, i got to get my heart right, and then God will be pleased with my sacrifices. And occasionally the prophets would show up to tell the people, to tell those priests and the kings that they were worshiping wrong. Uh, Amos says, I don't want your worship. Isaiah says, your worship services just sound like noise to me. Micah in chapter 6 comes with the question, with what? Shall I come before the Lord? How do I bow down and worship before the exalted God? Shall I come with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Would it please the Lord with a thousand rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He just says, how do I worship God? And then he answers his own question. He has shown you, O people, what is good and what the Lord requires of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. 
all the way through the Old Testament, this ongoing conversation between kings and priests and prophets and the people about how do we worship. The reality that worship is more than the worship service, that worship includes justice and mercy and obedience and repentance and a broken heart and a contrite spirit. We, like the people of that day, we get worship wrong when we think that the worship service can replace justice or confession or mercy. Instead, God's word teaches us that worship is meant to be an expression of all those things. Our worship is an expression of our confession and forgiveness. Our worship is an expression of our work for justice, for God's kingdom to come. And I actually think that getting to reflect a little bit on how to worship God, getting to learn from Jesus how to worship God is actually one of the gifts of these disrupted times. I mean, when everything's normal, we know how to worship, right? Get up on Sunday morning, go to church, go home. That's how you worship God. Just do that once a week and you're worshiping God. It's in these disrupted times when that isn't so easy, when that rhythm gets broken, that we get a chance to pause and reflect and just say, okay, Jesus, what more do I need to learn about worship? I mean, God's word is clear. We do not forsake the assembly and God delights in our songs and God delights in our prayers and God delights in the preaching of God's word. But in times like this, we get to notice that God's word also says that worship is bigger than that. And if we're gonna learn how to worship, well, of course, the person we've gotta learn from is Jesus. That's what Masterclass is all about, asking Jesus to be our teacher. And if we ask Jesus to teach us how to worship correctly, we won't even be the first to ask. We see in the Gospels that people were asking Jesus' opinions on the worship debates of their day. In John chapter four, Jesus has an interaction with the Samaritan woman. And, and, and after quite a long conversation about lots of things, she comes to him with a worship debate question. She says, sir, I can see that you are a prophet. So settle this for me. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. She's asking who's right about the proper method of worship. And Jesus responds by changing the topic. He says, woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what you do know, for salvation is from, from the Jews. But a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship in the Father in spirit and in truth. For these are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. You can sort of imagine that if Jesus had let her go after she asked the question about the mountain, she would have asked the question on what time and how long and what psalms should they read? Should they use drums or should they use organ? She's focused on the method of their worship, but Jesus points her in a different direction. He says, if you get yoked up with me, you're going to think about worship differently. And that, of course, is how we want to learn about worship. We've had this yoke with us throughout the whole series. It's a goat yoke. Put two goats in, and one goat here, one goat here, and together they would get the work done. And that's the invitation Jesus says. Stay yoked up with me. 
Live your life yoked up with me. And today the invitation is to worship yoked up with Jesus. Because that's how you learn worship. You learn how to worship by going to church with other people. Sitting next to them in the pews and watching what they do. How do they take communion? When do they take communion? Do they pray first or take communion first and then pray? Do they sing loud or sing quietly? For me, I learned how to sing four-part harmony sitting in the pews with my parents. I learned how to find scriptures in the Bible sitting in the pews with my parents. I learned how to not fidget, sit still, and be quiet for a long sermon sitting in the pews with my parents. In fact, one of the things I kind of like about this COVID season is how many families we have that are worshiping together, whether they're at our outdoor services, under the pavilion, in their cars, in their living room. I love that, but what a great opportunity to teach how to worship because that's how we learn from Jesus. We learn from Jesus by being with Jesus. And always, when you're yoked up with Jesus, trying to learn from, your, from Jesus, you always learn the same kind of thing. You learn a lesson that is simple and also challenging. And that's how we're gonna learn from Jesus today. Learning how to worship. Now, just to be clear, we're not learning how to sing or how to take communion. Uh, we're definitely not learning how to listen to a sermon. No, what we're learning from Jesus is how to have a life of worship. We're going to learn this lesson from one of the most significant teachings he ever gives. It's recorded in all the Gospels in different ways, but in Mark chapter 12, we hear this conversation. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them good answers, he asked, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. This short answer from Jesus uh, gives us two of our four core values here at FCC. Love God and love everyone. And today I want to look at that first commandment because that is our guide for how to worship. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I, uh, we talked earlier about how we have a lot of families worshiping together, either uh, at, in our driving services or in the pavilion or online. Uh, if, if Kids, I want you to remember these four things, heart, soul, mind, and strength. So I've invented a little dance if it helps you, okay? This is it. These are the motions, so we're going to do these. We love the Lord our God. Try these with me, kids. With all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. Our heart, point to your heart. Our soul, hold your arms out wide. Our mind and our strength. This, Jesus says, is how we worship. If we want to worship in a way that the prophets would not condemn, we're gonna focus more on our heart, soul, mind, and strength than we are on what the music sounds like or how loud it is or what kind of song we sing. Let's talk a little bit about what we mean about these four ways of worship. 
to love the Lord your God with your heart. The, the, the word heart, we kind of limit that just to be about our emotions when we talk about our heart. But, but in the ancient world, they, they meant more than just their emotions. They meant the will, the intentions, the commitment, the allegiances of our life. To worship God in this way is to say, God, you are the most important thing in my life. There is no other. You are first in my life. You have my whole heart. Uh, the psalmists do this again and again. We see uh, psalms that begin like this. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, with all my heart. The whole thing, not part of my heart, but all my heart. Psalm 9, I'll give thanks to you with all my heart. I'll tell of your wonderful deeds. I'll be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praise of your name, O Most High. Psalm 138, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart before every other God. You see, you're my first allegiance. I will sing your praise. I'll bow down toward your holy temple. I will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. To worship God, to love God with your heart is to have God, let God have first place in your life. Your first love, your first allegiance, your first hope, your first gratitude. The second instruction from Jesus is to love and worship God with our soul. Soul's a funny word. We use it all the time, but it's kind of hard to define. What is our soul? Well, again, when ancient Hebrew used this word, it's also the word for breath. It just means yourself, your life, your everything, your you. So I'm going to love God with my emotions and my will, but then to love God with my soul, to worship God with my soul, is just to say, all that I am, all that makes me, me. Uh, Romans chapter 12 gets at this kind of worship when it says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So if you want to worship God today in a way that honors God, it'll be more than what you sing, it'll be what you do with yourself and if you say, myself is yours, God, I offer my whole self as a living sacrifice. Romans says that is true and proper worship. Third, Jesus says we're going to love the Lord our God. Where were we? Heart, soul, life, mind. That's next. Love the Lord our God with our mind. Uh, Hebrews 3 puts it this way. Therefore, brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Uh, Philippians 4 8 puts it this way. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think about such things. Part of worship is what we decide to think about what we decide to attach our minds to. This is such a practical thing for so many of us. Uh, in, in Psalm 51, David says, I can't even worship you right now, God, because my, my thoughts are so corrupted and my life is so full of sin. For many of us, the first thing we need to do to genuinely worship God is to worship God with our minds. Because we have been thinking about things and directing our minds, fixing our minds on things other than God. And part of our worship is what we do with our mind. Finally, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Again, this is what the prophets had to mention the most often. Again and again, the prophets show up at a worship service that's beautiful. The songs are well written and the singers are on key. The musicians know their parts and the preacher was fantastic. And yet the prophets proclaim, you are not worshiping God with your actions. And if your actions don't worship God, all these worship services are a waste. And Jesus teaches the same thing. We love our God with not just with our hearts, our emotions and will, not just with our minds, our thoughts, not just with our soul, ourselves, but with our actions. Micah says he's shown you how to worship God. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly. David says, I know how to worship you, God. I just need to repent and obey. These are acts of worship. And what we see in scripture is that whenever God's people try to worship God without the fullness of heart and soul and mind and strength, the prophets show up to condemn that partial worship as false worship. That's the message of God's word. Partial worship, worshiping God with our words, but not our actions, or with our actions and not our words. Partial worship is false worship. God's word says. So, if you're yoked up with Jesus, he'll want to teach you how to worship. And when he does, he'll teach you these four things. I'm going to remind you of these lessons. They're real simple, like we said, but they're very challenging. As I remind you, would you just be listening for the lesson Jesus needs to teach you? Where is it today that Jesus needs to prod you and pull you? Where would the yoke tug you just a little bit? Because you have forgotten some part of the fullness of your worship. Because if you're yoked up to Jesus and he says, come worship with me, he's first going to say, but you'll need to worship with your heart. All your heart belongs to God as your first love and only allegiance. He'll say, come worship with me, but you need to worship with your soul. That is your whole life, all that is you. Every breath that you take offered as a sacrifice to God, every part of your life offered in obedience to God, for that is what true worship requires. Jesus would say, come worship with me, but you'll need to worship with your mind. Take every thought captive for Christ. Fix your thoughts on me. Whatever is true, good, noble, pure, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy, think on these things and those other things you have allowed to infect your mind and you've allowed your thoughts to fix on, those distract you and pull you away from true worship. Jesus is saying to you, come worship with me. But to do so, you'll need to worship me with your strength. It won't be enough to go to church. If you want to really worship God, it's not enough to go to church. We must be the church. We must enact justice and mercy and compassion and love and sacrifice and obedience and purity. This is how we worship God 
with our strength. Today, as our service continues, we're going to have a chance to talk to God about worship, to, to worship God, actually, in these four ways, to meet God with our heart and mind, and to be challenged by God to worship with our soul and strength. In just a minute, Nathan is going to lead us through an exercise of worship. There'll be prayers and scripture and song kind of all wrapped up together. A time for you to make a commitment and to encounter God and commit to real worship as Jesus teaches us. Along the way, there'll be times where Nathan is leading us and there'll be times where he invites you to speak a word of scripture along with him. I hope you will participate in that. I know it can be weird kind of through the online worship, but it's worth it. When it's your turn to read the scripture around, re read it aloud, do so, engage. Let these words become your words of worship. There'll be space for your own prayer and your own words. Listen for the voice of God. Where do you need to grow? Right now in this season, what do you need to learn? Do you need to learn to love God more, worshiping with your heart? Do you need to learn to know God more, worshiping with your mind? Do you need to learn to sacrifice your whole life, to offer your whole self and soul to God, worshiping with your soul? Or is it the worship of strength where you need to grow right now? Listen to God's Spirit. And all of us, as God's people, called to worship, will join together to worship God with our hearts and souls and minds and our strength.